Happy Saturday, everyone. Welcome to Obsessed With Me. I'm your host, Lindsay Schley, and today we are going to get into some dungeons. That's right. This episode is about Dungeons and Dragons. I have a dungeon master that I went to college with, and we we're just talking about the game, what makes people love it, and why this has been an obsession for decades. So this is kind of a longer episode since I actually have someone to talk to, thank God. And so we're going to just really quick get that sponsor breakdown and get into the episode. See you soon. Hi, everyone. Um, welcome to this week's episode of Obsessed With Me. Today, we are talking about the board game sensation that's not really bored, the game sensation that is sweeping the nation in 1985, D&D. And I'm here with Dan Grieber, who went to college with me. Hey, Dan, how are you? Hi, Lindsay, I'm doing good. Awesome. Dan is a dungeon master, and um, we're here to talk about D&D. So to start us off, Dan, how would you, how would you explain how to play D&D and what the process is to someone who's never played it before? Uh, yeah, um, so, I mean, my hopes would be if a person is interested in D&D, then they have at least some sort of frame of reference. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they at least know what dice are, something like that, right? Um, yeah. But I guess I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest they, like, so, like, a lot of people know about D&D now, or they're, like, at least thinking about it because of Stranger Things right? Um, I would say that that's not a great representation of what D&D is like, at least in our modern times. Um, I think the first thing I would probably tell a person to do if they're even slightly interested in D&D is uh, to go watch the show. You may have heard of it. It's called Critical Role. Um, basically, it's just a live-streamed D&D campaign where all the players and the DM are these uh, pretty pretty famous uh, voice actors. They do a lot of like work on cartoons and stuff. Um, but I would say like, yep. the first thing would be for a person to go like watch an episode of that first. You know what? Actually, I hadn't. I didn't know the name, but I definitely heard of the concept of that. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a good way to kind of figure it out. So you know, to start, you kind of create a character, right? Figure out their attributes, who they are as a person, and then everyone goes on to some sort of mission together, basically, right? Right. Um, I don't know. It's weird because like, there's so much about D and D that's like, it's. It's complicated, but it's only briefly complicated. Like, mm -hmm. I think I think that's one of the barriers to entry for a lot of people. It's it's why they don't start playing D and D is because making a character is daunting, to to say the least, and that is completely valid. Uh, like, there's a lot of numbers getting thrown around. There's a lot of things to remember. You have to choose this. You have to choose that. You have to choose this other thing, and it can be a lot. And for some people, it's overwhelming, um, and I and I understand that. So something like I've kind of tried to do more uh, with like my, my more recent campaigns is to sort of build the character alongside the player, not just in a okay now roll this and now choose from these things, 
but really like get get inside the player's head like what do, what do you want to build who do you want to be what do you want them to be good at stuff like that and they, i think that can honestly help lower sort of the barrier to entry a little bit where it's more like you're not creating a character you're writing the prologue to a story if that makes sense that makes a lot of sense. Although I will say that's not a barrier entered of entry to me because character creation is literally my favorite part in every video game. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I have a lot of fun making NPCs, but that's part of why I'm in the game. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it, I, I love character creation, but I can totally, I know there's some people who are like, random, let's go, let's do this. I'm like, how? Who are you? <laughs> but... <laughs> But, so, first of all, tell me a little bit about how you got into D&D and how you started playing. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the first time I ever played was when I was, like, a little kid with, like, my mom and my siblings, but it didn't really go anywhere. Um, but I would say the first time I really got invested in D&D, I'll say, is sort of on a whim. I asked, I, got, I was in college and my mom and dad were like, well, what do you want for Christmas? And I was like, you know what? Get me all these materials for fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons. I'm going to try to play some Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. And like, so I got these materials, like like these big thick books with like all the rules and stuff in them. And I just, I asked my friends, I was like, hey, do you guys want to like play in this campaign that I'm creating? And several of them are nerdy enough to where they're like, oh yeah, sure. And I don't even think any of them had actually played D&D before that as well. Uh, so we're all just like a bunch of noobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think I have some creative writing chops. So I just try to write a cool story and they make some cool characters. And we're kind of, it's a little bit fumbling around in the dark. Uh, and to be honest, that first campaign wasn't, it wasn't that great. Uh, I, the best way I could probably describe it is like a very okay fan fiction <laughs> is kind of the tone of like what the story was. Um, so it was just like random events kind of happening in like a sequence. And it was very like, me railroading the players a lot into doing specific things. And it was okay. It, I mean, it was my first time DMing. I'm not being hard on myself, mm-hmm. but my my real appreciation for D&D, it's, it was a very like evolutionary process where as I got better, I enjoyed it more. As I started doing certain things differently, I enjoyed it more even then. And I've sort of found my groove of what I want my campaigns to be when I'm DMing. Mm-hmm. And my most recent campaign is kind of the pinnacle of me being able to do that. And honestly, this this campaign that I'm doing right now has been just so enjoyable and my players seem to be really enjoying it more so than any of my previous campaigns. So, um, yeah. yeah, so I guess how I got into it is it's over a very long period of time, um, which I guess doesn't bode well for people who are like honestly looking to get into it, but I don't know. But that's like anything else, anything in life. You start out, you dig yeah. your toes in and you're not good at first. You're never going to be, most no one most people aren't prodigies when they start something you know as you grow in your knowledge of something you get better and you create better things i think that's that's a really universal experience with hobbies and interests and it makes a lot of sense that it goes that way right um although i do i do have one 
I don't want to say addendum, but kind of caveat to that. Because mm-hmm. I do think that like DMs and players can get better with time. Mm-hmm. And no one should expect to be perfect when they first start out. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, like a good wine, D&D, it, it just gets better the more you do it. It just gets more enjoyable. It just gets more engaging. It just gets more fun. Um, however, the addendum is, I think there are certain people like the way that they look at the game the way that they want to play um it's not even necessarily that it's bad but there are there are conflicts that can happen between how a dm wants to run the campaign and what kind of campaign the players want to play or Mm -hmm. how two even just two players want to play the game they might have completely different expectations of what the campaign is going to be and if those are too different from each other then that's how a campaign can also sort of break down and become less fun, become more of a chore, and, you know, eventually die. Uh, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, I think I think that's what happened in my previous D&D experience. Um, in, I think, high school, I played a lot of D&D with a group of friends. Well, it wasn't actually D&D. It was kind of something similar to D&D, but a little bit more broad it was kind of it was kind of something that you could apply to any sort of fandom or whatever was the whole concept um and it was like kind of off-brand so so we did that we did like a harry potter one we did a general fantasy one and then we did a zombies take new york one um and and ultimate the ideas were good right they never went anywhere but the, the concepts were fun um and uh you know, eventually what kind of happened was a lot of us were a little bit, our, our dungeon master was a really serious dude. And he he didn't, he was someone who liked to do comedy, but he didn't like making his, with his D&D. Well, we were all kind of a humorous gang. Um, so, you know, one of us had like a, a, a bait, like one of them had a pet baby leopard familiar. And the guy, mm-hmm. one guy just like got mad at one point and was like, fuck the leopard. And then the, D, you know, the dungeon master was just like, all right, roll for fucking the leopard. Do it. I dare you. I dare you. You, you, you made your bet. Now you have to lie in it. And, you know, it was things like that that ultimately kind of like made that group not work, you know. Um, sometimes it was hard to keep the boundary of what was what was a joke and what was the campaign yeah so i i totally i i I agree there can't like uh i don't know it's kind of hard to imagine because i don't imagine any of my current players doing something like that but i can't quite say if that's just because of the people they are and the way they want to play or if it's necessarily that I've just fostered the campaign in a way where it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense for them to do that, or they shouldn't yeah. want to have to do that. They should want to do other things, like pickpocketing a guard or going to some other city. Like, mm-hmm. like They shouldn't want to do something that's just nonsense or horrible. Yeah, yeah. We were also 17, though, so... So that that hurts everything when you're 17. No one's 17 year olds aren't necessarily good people. No, I think that's 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 probably a good point. Um, <laughs> so like all the people I'm playing with currently, like we're all in I I want to say like our mid 20s. I think I might actually be the youngest of the group. Now that I think about it, mm-hmm. um, 
but yeah, there is a certain amount of maturity to a good D and D campaign. Not that you can't have uh, more family friendly campaigns. Like that's that's totally fine. But like for yeah. me, for instance, I mean, I I don't shy away from like adult themes. Uh, mm-hmm. Like people die, like innocent people die. Like there's just as many, there's, there's all these expressions of like sexuality that occur in my campaign because not only is that kind of true to real life, but it's it's engaging and I don't want to limit mm-hmm. my players in that way. So, you know, my players are, for instance, they're free to pursue relationships with my NPCs and I will role play that. Um, mm-hmm. We don't role play everything because that would be <laughs> weird. Uh, but but I'm not I'm not going to stop them from going to those particular lengths, specifically if it makes sense with their character and their character's goals or who their character is as a person, um, because that's storytelling, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you know, definitely there are probably children that won't make terrible jokes while you try to play D&D with them. You know, maybe maybe an eight-year-old might have handled the situation better than we did as teenagers. <laughs> but, you know, that's all, that's all differences of experience and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, but like from there, uh, I've definitely been more of a dungeon master than a player uh i don't know if i'm pretty sure people are familiar enough with the words to understand that but i'm the person that runs the game rather than the person actually experiencing it if that makes sense um i've been a player a couple of times but uh i don't know something about dungeon mastering really scratches like creative itches that i have so yeah um i mean it's it's kind of like structured improv almost i would say as someone who's played i've never dungeon mastered i've always been the player um what do you what are you what do you think some of the pros and cons to each um approach of the game is right so definitely like the improv thing like i'll be honest like i've i've been playing D on and off for i don't know six years now something like that um and i kind of i kind of hate to say it because i don't want to bash on previous campaigns i was in or previous campaigns I did but where I'm at right now with my current campaign is it's it's like night and day with like improv and like how much I'm getting into it and how much my players are getting into it and it's 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 kind of what I wanted D&D to be when I first started and what I've been doing for like several years but was never able to quite get to uh but I think I don't know I've sort of come into my own if you will as like a DM uh, within this last like couple years, so. I mean that makes a lot of sense. A skill you build, just like any other skill. I mean, and and you know, it's interesting that you. I, I actually did play something that was kind of like D and D, like it was the same kind of format, but it was like a make your own event, and we tried like three different campaigns, and none of them sticked. We were kind of, the DM was like super serious and we were a little, we were super playful and it didn't, it never worked out. Um, so, so, you know, it just like, they, it just dissolved over time. We kind of just wanted to hang out at some point because we were a little bit too constrained by our dungeon master. What made you stick with it in, even at the times where you didn't even have campaigns that you maybe liked as much? 
Um, I mean, it was a multitude of things. Uh, I mean, I've had probably, I've probably had like five campaigns that have like started and either pittered out or ended like over my career as a dungeon master or player. Um, it's it's kind of sucks because a lot of the times campaigns just end because someone moves mm-hmm. or someone just is like, hey, guys, I can't meet anymore on Sundays. I'm too busy with work, so I have to drop the campaign. And that's that's what does it like. That's the killer for campaigns. If there ever was one, it's not I have in my experience, it hasn't been like, oh, we're not really interested in doing this anymore or it's not fun anymore. It's just random events that can kind of sink campaigns and for the campaigns that I've DM'd, most of all of them have been like that, except there was one exception, but that was because it was a, it was like a short campaign. It was structured to be short. Mm-hmm. It was the campaign I DM'd before the one I'm currently DMing. Uh, and that one was actually a lot of fun, partially because it was so short. So it could be kind of a self-contained story. Um, but we just played that online and it was like a real small group too. And, that was a lot of fun. That's kind of cool that you can, that's really cool that you can do those shorter campaigns and like you can kind of make it work even when you have a shorter time frame. Cause I think a lot of people think that Dungeons and Dragons is this thing that you have to do over months and months and months. Oh yeah. So that's actually, so the reason it was me and two of my other friends, um, the reason we did a short campaign is we had this idea kind of conceptually where each of us, we like, we wanted to DM, but we didn't want to DM too much. And we wanted to be players, but we didn't want to play too much. So we got this idea to do sort of like a revolving system where one of us would DM and then the other two would be players and maybe other people would be players. And we would be like, at the start, we would all know that they were going to be shorter campaigns. Mm-hmm. So we knew that like within the year that campaign would be done and over with. And then that person wouldn't have what, you know, I would call a DM fatigue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause sometimes that can happen in campaigns and it's unfortunate. Uh, I've, I've even had it before myself uh, where it's just, you know, you, you like DMing, but something about the campaign, something about the players, something about your life or something just has you just not enjoying it as much as you should. And you just kind of have to step away because it's not fair to you and it's not fair to the players and it's unfortunate when that happens but i haven't had that happen to me personally in a while so yeah i mean i i can see how it would get a it would definitely it could definitely get a little stressful it what's the work for being a dm like because i've only known it as a player who just shows up and does my best to improv <laughs> with what i'm given you know no, totally. So I've actually, I actually just talked to another friend of mine about like this. I was talking to them about D and D uh, and I told them I was a DM and they're asking me and they're like, well, how much work do you put in like a week uh, as far as being a DM goes, not the actual session, but how much work. And I had to think about it real hard because that's such a weird question to ask. Cause I mean, I could say, I don't know, like two hours a week, one hour a week, but it's probably more than that. But it's, it's more like I'm thinking about the campaign right before I go to bed. I'm thinking about the campaign on my way into work. I'm thinking about the campaign when it's a commercial on TV or something like that, you know? So it's like a bunch of little tiny increments of time. And all that work is devoted to just like kind of general structure stuff or cool ideas. 
Uh, but you would be surprised, and I didn't used to do this as in some of my past campaigns, you'd be surprised at how much improving uh, a good DM will do uh, in order to keep a campaign fun and interesting. For me personally, with this current campaign, I'm doing... I'm doing way more improvisation than I did for any of my past campaigns. And honestly, I found that the improving stuff is some of my best work. Really? And yes, I, it's, it's, it's wild. I don't quite get why. I'm not saying that my plan stuff isn't good. I think, I think it is good. Uh, especially some of the stuff I've done doing recently with the campaign. My players have just been just going wild for it. And that's their own words. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, like it was just the other day, just as like a random example, uh, something that we're doing for my campaign that we started doing over this last summer is doing text-based role-playing uh, through Facebook to kind of fill in the gaps between adventures and stuff like that. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, but two of my players, I didn't know they were going to do this at all. Uh, two of my players were like, hey, we want to go get, like, better clothes to, like, go to this event for. And I was like, oh, you you want to go shopping right now for clothes? Cool. And everything after that for this RP was just completely off the cuff by me. I, like, made, I kind of made up a character. I made up a location. I gave him a personality. And they just had these great interactions back and forth. And as as they would attest to, it, it actually ended up being one of the more kind of emotionally driven parts of the campaign so far, especially for one of our characters. Mm -hmm. And I didn't plan it at all. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's that's good that you kind of let let uh, people do a little bit of their own guiding. I'm sure that that makes it a little bit more cohesive, you know. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's actually, um, I don't know how many fellow dungeon masters are necessarily uh, interested in what I have to say, but uh, it's something that I try to do with this campaign specifically. I've kind of taken on sort of, uh, I don't want to call it anarchic, but I've really been hitting sort of the cooperative storytelling aspect harder with this campaign where like if my player if one of my players has something and they're like hey i want to i want to do this or i want this to exist in this world or something like that then i'm like completely game for it and like i'll find a way to make it work uh because you'll have some dms and this is totally fine i'm not trying to like bash this kind of work right. at all who they have a very structured campaign and it's very like okay here's your quest you're gonna go do the quest and you're gonna fulfill the quest and then we're done and then on to the next thing maybe whereas I'm being very much more freelance with what I'm doing for this campaign which is you guys you guys can go wherever you want you, you want to do that fine and I'm just kind of rolling with it and I'm just I'm kind of giving them the building blocks and then they're just and telling them to just do what they want with it mm -hmm. and then I'm just kind of along for the ride uh and honestly, it's been great. I feel like they have a lot more control over the story, and then that also leads them to be generally more engaged with it as well. And I, I bet it's probably like a little less pressure, almost too. Um, on me, uh, in a way, it is. Um, 
because then it's like well i mean you chose to go here so like this is what you get mm-hmm. uh so yeah and then it's also just like if you ever heard of the have you ever heard of the term railroading no so railroading is this is this it's, it's more of a concept in D and it's generally frowned upon mm-hmm. but the idea is that a dm will have players and there'll be a situation uh where the dm like needs the players to like be in a specific location or to attack a certain person or to do something specific to the grander story or for something that the dm wants them to accomplish so railroading is basically when you sort of force the players into a situation where they're forced to do what you want them to do Hmm. um there are times when railroading is necessary uh, and there are times when railroading can actually be very well done and can actually be uh, compelling where you sort of strip the party of their choice and get down to the bare bones of like, okay, what are you actually going to do to it? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's sort of one of my uh, ethos is this campaign is to not railroad my players as physically much as possible. And I think it's just, it's, it's only made the campaign better for it. So D&D oh. kind of has recently been in the popular kind of ethos. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I would say Stranger Things has really brought, you know, some attention to it. I mean, tabletop oh, gaming is more popular than ever. Um, so let's say someone has heard of D&D. And, and they don't really, they're not really familiar with it, but they're like, oh, people play D&D. What, how would you describe it to them? And what would you say to them to make them interested in it? Yeah. Um, so I kind of have two answers to this, which is like my standard two answers to this. And I would, I would do the answer dependent on how well I know the person and what I know they would be interested in. Um, so my first my first answer to this to sort of explain D&D would just be cooperative storytelling. Um, and just kind of highlighting the fact that it's like, a, it's a very social thing. It's like every session is kind of like a little party where you get to interact with people and you get to write, write a cool story together. Uh, and it's, it's very creative in that you can kind of do whatever you want and see all these fantastic sites. And then also it's just generally interesting. Like you would like enjoy enjoy any story like the drama the mystery even the humor the heartbreak and all those things um so that would be something i would say to someone who might be like really into like reading books that'd be maybe how i would sell it if you want to say call it selling D. um mm-hmm. but the other one and both of these could work for like both of them could work at the same time for people but the other one i would say is it's a video game that actually reacts to you uh Mm. and what i mean by this is i feel like a lot of a lot of people enjoy video games and there's probably going to be a lot of crossover between people that enjoy D &D and video games but a lot of video games they sort of build themselves as like being the pinnacle of interaction like your choices matter it's like that's practically a cliche in video games at this point yeah Um, i love like a good open world video game right and that's cool and i'm not i'm not bashing that at all but there's still only so much you can do in a video game you know right. uh like you know you look at breath of the wild or you look at the walking dead or all the other telltale games where it's like 
yeah, you can go anywhere or yeah, you can choose what your choices are, but there's still an upper limit of what mm-hmm. is actually available to you. You know, you look at uh, like one of my favorite game series of all time is Mass Effect. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you'll be like presented with like a dialogue option, but they'll still only give you four options right. or maybe six at the most. And you're, so you're, you're kind of, you're pigeonholed and you're constructed to only say those particular things. And I mean, if anyone's played a video game, they've like, they're like, well, there might've been something else I want to say. Like, maybe I want to crack a joke right now. Maybe I want to say nothing or any of those kinds of things. In D&D, you can do that. And in all other role-playing games, you can do that because the computer that you would be playing to or the video game, the program, is a live person. It's a human that can actually react to you. And that's just true with everything. Like any action you want to take, anywhere you want to go, it's it's available to you. And I feel like a lot of people, like they, they want a video game that can do that. I don't know if that's actually possible. The best, the next best thing you can do is D and D or any of the other role playing games that you could possibly play. Uh, so, like what I do, for instance, for my campaign that I'm currently running, anyways, is I really try to foster like empathy with other characters, um, giving characters like these backstories that are like heartbreaking and just making the world feel very like lived in. And giving the players enough to do that they won't resort to just completely ridiculous things. But also fostering completely ridiculous things at sometimes, like sometimes, because those can often be actually really fun and also interesting narratively. Um, and then the second thing, real quick, is just D&D doesn't mean you can do anything. It means you can do anything that makes sense if that makes sense like for instance some people have these like D stories or whatever where it's like oh the player's a bard and they'll roll uh persuasion to try to start like making out with an orc or something like that like something completely ridiculous but if the dm allows it like let's say the player like gets a nat 20 or gets like a really good roll if the dm allows it that's the dm not doing what they should have done uh right i mean maybe it works for the campaign but it's like there's there's this kind of thing that i personally ascribe to which is that it's this statement that like persuasion is not mind control um and so there's a lot of players that want to treat persuasion like it's mind control persuasion is like a skill that your player has some people are good at it some people are bad at it so there's players that want to treat persuasion like mind control that's not how it would work in the real world um And I think some DMs are too willing to allow for that. And I think it might be, it might be fun in the moment. It might be funny in the moment, but when it comes to the overall enjoyment of the campaign, like going into perpetuity, if you will, it's going to start poking holes in things. It's going to start messing things up. And I think, I think there's, you shouldn't, shouldn't allow for that. Like, I think like towards the beginning of my campaign, I uh, I had one of my character had an NPC. They were like a blacksmith, and uh, so she was a uh, lesbian character. And one of my players did not know this, and there was no way he could have known this. 
and he rolled like a nat 20 on his persuasion to flirt with her because he was interested in her for reasons. Mm-hmm. And my response was she chuckles. She, she thinks that that was like a great attempt, but she is still not interested in you because right. she's not attracted to men. Dude. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not going to persuade a lesbian out of being a lesbian. So uh, that, yeah. that's a great, that's a great way to put a limit on that. Um, and it's, it, you know, thinking that you can persuade a lesbian out of being a lesbian is, problematic and it's good that that's a good place to put your foot down there and you've told me that you guys you guys are kind of working on um having like a little bit more diversity in your in your characters in your games uh yeah so that's something that i i really tried to hit with this current campaign uh more so than i guess i've done in previous campaigns uh just like kind of across the board just because i think it's it's a little bit more interesting uh so I've I've kind of not as like a goal or like any kind of like sense of tokenism, but just like these people exist in our world. So these kinds of people or whatever you want to call it should also exist in this world to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's and there's a there's a litany of reasons for it. Uh, just I think generally representation is great, and also it feels like the world is more lived in. It feels more realistic to like acknowledge these things as being true. Uh, so I mean, I guess it's 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 sort of weird because it's like probably the one exception is uh, like racial representation because there's just a bunch of races in D and D, and I'm kind of using all of them. So it's it, that that one's a little weird because it's sort of hard to hit that kind of representation when like there's a person who's literally like a dragon just like right there or another person who's like a cat person right over there so it's that gets a little weird um but i'm definitely trying to do more stuff with like uh like i actually no i actually have an example of this uh kind of more generally so i was listening to one of your episodes the other day and you said you really like stardew valley right Oh, love it. So I also really enjoyed Stardew Valley. Uh, my fiance also really enjoys Stardew Valley. Uh, hi, Mary Kate. <laughs> uh, that'll, that'll be, that's, my one, that's my one shout out. <laughs> Great. Um, no, so you were talking about how one of your favorite things, or I think you said something along, it, along these lines anyways, was that all of the marriage options in Stardew Valley were like uh, bisexual. Yep. Um, so, like, you can marry whoever you want. You can pursue a relationship with whoever you want. So, I'm kind of low-key doing that for my campaign, uh, where I'm not really limiting the sort of, like, sexual interests of the NPCs that I present to my players, unless I think it is very conducive and necessary to the story I want those characters to tell. Um but beyond that, like if I introduce a character to the players and one of them is like, this is a cool character, I would like to pursue a relationship with them. I mean, they have to be successful in the relationship, obviously. But other than that, I'm not going to like limit them and be like, oh, no, you know, that person's straight or that person's gay. Like, you can't do that. Uh, unless I find that it's like more necessary to like the actual plot of the character that I want to tell, which right. is the one example that I gave before. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, 
I think I think that's fun. I think that kind of makes it for an interesting game experience. I mean, I know I love I loved it in Stardew Valley. I would love it in more games. I know I know that there's quite there's more games doing that, and I think it's super cool. And uh, you know, and I can definitely see how the freedom of it can really help people. It can really help people express their you know their gender and their their sexuality and all that stuff for example you know if someone's in the process of transitioning having a character that really fits the ideal they're they're moving towards with their gender is probably can help them feel better i could see if you're you know a queer person who doesn't have you know in a lot of places it's hard to find other queer people i can see how it'd be really affirming to be able to play a game where you get to be queer and all that you know um I can see how all of this could really, you know, be, um, be helpful. And, and, you know, the thing is, like, I mean, I think that there's a lot of stereotypes of who the people are that play D&D. But a lot of the people I know from college who play D&D, um, they're, you know, they're people of color. They're people who, you know, are um, demisexual or, you know, somewhere on the gender spectrum, not just cis, people who are gender fluid so so it's definitely like cool to see that like you know this is a game that anyone can really dig into even though there's this stereotype of who a DD player is yeah absolutely i mean i'm i'm not gonna say that my group of players are necessarily the most diverse um but I, that's kind of it's kind of more of i think that speaks more to what i think a good structured campaign should be uh like for instance i think because whenever i've played D, i always play with friends um mm-hmm. and then friends of friends also included in that but generally speaking i i have never really gone to like a random session where i don't know anybody at the table and i'm just sort of winging it and like hoping i'm doing the right thing I think that's totally fine if people want to play D like that if they want to go to sessions like that i have, I have mm-hmm. nothing against that I personally like being able to, first off, give my friends something that they can enjoy, and then also sort of almost like connect with my friends more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, just, just being able to sort of, you know, share in heartache, share in like mutual appreciation of this, you know, wacky event that happened, being able to scare my friends, being able yeah. for them to scare me a little mm-hmm. bit it's 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 something that you you know you can get it from video games a little bit but it's there's something there's something very personal about D, and it's one of the things i like about it uh that you, you know playing a board game or playing a video game with someone you you don't get this which is mm-hmm. like kind of in a way like opening your heart up to another person on that level and it's it's sort of wild that you're able to do that with these characters that are just wildly different from who you are as a person. Or maybe they're not, uh, but it's just sort of, I guess, I find it cool that by sort of suspending a little bit of disbelief in, like, the world that is around you, you can sort of touch on things and talk to things and do things that you wouldn't normally be comfortable doing. Um, yeah. And I think that sort of gets back to, like, what you were talking about with, like, expressing yourself or maybe not even necessarily expressing yourself, but putting yourself in the shoes of someone different than you. Um, I think there's a lot of value in that as well. 
Yeah, I think that I could see how if you're playing a character that maybe is, you know, a gender or sexual minority, it could really help you kind of understand what some of the problems, you know, what some of those problems are and how they might affect those people. It really seems like this board gaming in general has really increased um, it seems like there's so many new games. I mean, when I, I when I moved to Brooklyn, I was trying to find ways to make new friends. And um, I was like, are there any board gaming meetups? And meetup was like, yeah, we have two million. Here's one a couple blocks away from you. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty impressive, you know, like how popular board gaming is and uh, tabletop gaming all these different variety of in people person games are do you do you have any idea maybe why that might be and kind of like what you think people are getting out of it yeah i mean i think there's probably uh, i mean i could be completely freaking wrong but i think it's two two things are probably mainly at play because i do agree with you i do think that that's actually absolutely happening um i think one is there's just been so much time for board games to just sort of stew and just have had to like develop and like people doing like basically research and like what makes a good board game, what makes a terrible board game. And just after so much time and effort and love has been poured into these board games and properties, they've just gotten really freaking good at making good board games that are just honestly engaging and just fun as hell to play. Um, so I think that's part of it. So it's, you know, it's like you go back in the day where the only board games you really had any interest in or really could have access to were like Monopoly, Clue, and the Game of Life, you know? <laughs> and like, yeah. though, like, okay, Clue actually is kind of good, but like Monopoly is actually a terrible board game um, for uh, like for several reasons. I won't go into a rant about... <laughs> <laughs> why I don't like Monopoly, which has nothing to do with my skill at Monopoly, because I'm actually pretty decent at Monopoly. Uh, mm. But it's not actually a great board game. Like some of the systematic things within it, uh, just they don't they don't make for a compelling game. That's partially on purpose, mind yeah. you, because the person who originally developed Monopoly wasn't supposed to be like a fun game to play. It was supposed to be a sort of almost satirical take on like modern capitalism or well not not modern capitalism right it was 20, supposed 40s. to be it was supposed to be like landlords suck guys don't yeah. you know <laughs> um and i think people have just gotten so used to it that there's some there's something very comforting about monopoly but if you look at like a modern game uh there's just a, there's a million one examples but i have one it's uh it's this game called dead of winter mm-hmm. and Although this game is far more complex than Monopoly, the way it works is you're playing as like a, a, a band of survivors uh, protecting yourselves from a zombie outbreak as well as like the starvation and frost fight that comes with this long winter that you find yourselves in. And you're like moving people around to gather resources and you have this main objective and one person is a betrayer and they're trying to make you all lose. And there's also like these story cards that have like the person to your right like pulls a card and it's like a, there's like a trigger on it and if that happens and it's like special event happens it has like a bunch of flavor and story bits into it and mm. like if you compare that to something like monopoly like of course more people are willing to play modern board games because they're actually fun now it's okay to admit 
that there's just certain things about certain games that just doesn't work. Um, Because I think a lot of people, they're almost too open with certain things. And this applies to D&D as well as just general board games where like they want to do things differently or they want to try something. And I'm all for experimentation and, you know, getting to the better idea or getting to the better concept. But at the end of the day, there's just certain things that just they're not fun to do. And yeah. I feel like a lot of times you'll have board games or even dungeon masters who are like trying to keep doing something or they're trying something that's sort of already in a way been proven to not work. And they're like holding on to these things. And it's like, just, just try something else. Just, just, just relax yeah. and don't, don't do that. And you'd be having a better time. Uh, um, like for instance, and this is a little bit off track, but uh, mm-hmm. so have you ever seen those memes or whatnot that are they're kind of like the alignment chart like lawful yes. neutral chaotic good i neutral, love alignment evil <laughs> so i love alignment charts they're a lot of fun but i for my campaign especially the one that i'm doing right now uh alignments are kind of this like quintessential thing of dungeons and dragons you know like mm-hmm. you know demons are chaotic evil and they're like you know trying to run amok and kill people and then angels are like lawful good and they're holy and they want to keep order and they want to help people and heal the sick blah 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 Mm -hmm. so for my campaign this most recent one i don't do anything with alignments at all Mm -hmm. uh even though that that's that's like a classic thing about D &D. like that harkens all the way back to sort of its founding so when my care when my players made their characters i was like don't don't worry about your alignment like you can have Mm -hmm. a rough idea if it helps you with like your portrayal of your character that's fine but i'm not keeping you to those at all and then also bleeds into my world as well where like there could be a monster that isn't evil or there could be a good thing that's usually good that could be just downright destructive um Mm -hmm. because i think that opens up for greater things and then it doesn't pigeonhole my players and it doesn't pigeonhole me into like okay well i want to introduce an angel well they have to be good you know yeah, well, and that's way more realistic, anyways. Exactly, because so so my 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 phrase on that is that alignments are bullshit, uh, mm-hmm. and I've I've said that several times to my players, and I will repeat it till the end of days because they just they don't make sense. Um, but you have but to to my my point, you have DMs that are holding on to that, and that's mm-hmm. fine. If that's how they want to run the campaign, I'm really not trying to judge how other people play their campaigns. If it works for them, that's great. But I feel like they're trying to hold on to that thing. They're trying to hold on to alignments when their games could be so much better if they just let it go. You yeah. know? And I feel like that's just true with like even other board games, like I said, with like free parking and Monopoly, for instance. Fair. And honestly, the true thing that I like alignment charts for most anyways is just memes. That's the best variety of alignment charts. And also like Vine videos that are like Vines that are chaotic neutrals. Oh, yeah, I've I've watched some of those. That's a good use of alignment charts. But I I can see how it could be way constraining when you're trying to create a world. So I guess one of the things that I want to ask is, what's one of the things that brings you the most joy about Dungeons & Dragons? Well, I mean, obviously there's several things there. I wouldn't be on here talking about it. <laughs> um, 
probably one of the big things that I, I would want to get out of the way first to say is just the general creative expression of it. Um, I, I like to think I'm a fairly creative person. This gives me something to do. Uh, cause honestly, I'm a little too busy to like write a novel I've tried, but I, I can't, I can't stay with one thing for too long and I have work and school and that's a little tough. D and D gives me a creative outlet. Um, one of my players the other day was like, after a session, she was like, oh, you should write a book, Dan. And I'm like, no, I'm doing this instead. And this is, this is good for me. Like, I'm good. Uh, and there is something so about writing a book that's kind of, that's kind of, I think one of the things that's hardest about writing a book for me personally is until the book is done, you don't have anyone to really like interact with, with your writing. You're writing like 50,000 words and then you give it to someone in a lot of cases. Right. I, there's a certain amount of joy and like something very motivating about having your creative expressions be something you intertwine with your action, interactions with someone else. Yeah. Absolutely. And that kind of feeds into sort of what I'm, what I'm going to call my larger point of why I really like D&D to kind of get to the question, which is I have this, this, this idea of moments in D&D. You know, it's, it, it can happen randomly. You never know when it's going to happen, especially if you're, you know, doing the role play feedback really well. But just just those moments and they don't even have to be that long where it's like you you feel what's happening you know kind of in your chest and in your gut and you just you sort of have this realization both you and the players or the players maybe not the dm it doesn't matter of just like you just did something that yes it happened in a fantasy world yes it doesn't really happen but it doesn't matter because within your own mind it did happen and there's no going back. Uh, and there's just, there's been several of those moments in my campaigns and even my current one. And those, those are the thing like, that's kind of what I live for when it comes to playing D and D, especially as a dungeon master is just those moments when like, I can get my players to just like, you know, drop their jaws or to like, just almost to be raging at me not like because not like I killed their character or something, but because I did something in the in the campaign that's just so ridiculous or so heartbreaking that like they just they like can't even handle it, you know yeah. the, the emotional content of it. Mm -hmm. Like and like uh, I just like recently I won't go into exactly what it was, but one of my players was messaging me after a session, one of our like recent sessions, just like a week ago. Um. And she was, or this was like a few days ago, I can't remember. She messaged me after the, the session and she was like, Dan, I can't even right now. I have to go take a walk because I can't <laughs> handle like what happened in the session today. And I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for you to like have that visceral of a reaction to it. That's just, it's just, it's like what happened. Um, mm -hmm. but she was like, no, no, you were good. It was good DMing. It was a great session. But like, I, I'm I'm bad because I got her that I'm I'm sad because I got her that worked up. But I'm also not sorry at all because that's the kind of thing I want to have happen in my campaigns, and those are the kinds of moments that I that I think are the most enjoyable. And I th I think those are probably the probably I'm guessing those are the moments that make the people you're playing with enjoy it the most too. 
yeah, I'd like to think so. There's there's other examples I could spout out, but I don't want to take too much time. Well, I mean, do you have like a moment of of like that kind of thing that you want to share that you you know everyone really enjoyed themselves and it it was it was just a big thing that 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 really made a great game for everyone. You know, I have I have one that I think I I I would I would point out be and I won't go too much into like what it was, but I think it worked well because I think it was one of my better sessions I've ever done. Um, it was a few weeks ago, uh, so I know I didn't say this, but uh, I'm going to school. I'm, I'm in grad school right now. I'm getting my PhD in political science. Um, so my care, my players, they're in this city, and it's like a city of guilds, and there's this vote that's going to happen, right? And this vote is on whether or not the city is going to basically supply one side of a war that's going to happen. Uh, so like voting yes or no. And basically what I ended up doing is I made this vote happen in like this stadium coliseum and everyone's really excited. And it's like a football game. It's like mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. And it was me basically being like, okay, how do I make politics exciting? Because mm-hmm. um, man, if there's anything in like, I feel like it's really hard to make something political exciting. I think some genres and some properties have done it, uh, but it was really fun for me to actually get to try to do it because they're just essentially watching people vote yes or no on something. Um, mm-hmm. So what I did is I gave it all these embellishments and like the crowd was cheering and like then I included the players in it. Uh, like this one person voting, like kind of called them out on something and it was a whole, it was a whole to do. Uh, but it was emotional because of how I connected the players to the event that was happening. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to describe it when it's not actually happening. It's, a, it's actually kind of something I wanted to get to. It's, I think it's one of the problems, not problems with D and D one of the difficulties with D and D is it's hard to describe something like that to another person to try to get them to play D and D because it's a very personal thing. So yeah, I can, I can describe all of these cool things that happened in my campaign and that my players were just like over the moon, like happy or really enjoyed and like all these wacky situations that they've gotten themselves into. But at the end of the day, whoever I'm telling that to, they weren't one of the players. So they're not going to have the same reaction to it. So it's, it's, it's tough to get people interested in D&D when it's like the best part about it or one of the best parts is so personable that you, you have to play it in order to mm-hmm. understand it or get those moments, as I've you know, said. That makes a lot of sense. I get it. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things that when you're doing something together with other people, that there's something special to it, and, and it's really hard to capture that in a bottle. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I know before we ended, I know you said that you had a you had a bone to pick with Stranger Things. You want to go for it? <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, so this is super petty, and I'm not actually mad at Stranger Things for doing this, but. 
And this 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 will go to show my nerd credentials for D and D maybe, because uh, maybe some people aren't believing me that I'm a nerd or something. Uh, so in Stranger Things, uh, spoilers I guess, if you haven't seen it yet, um, the first <laughs> they do this thing where they're like playing a session, and they're facing this monster, and it's the Demogorgon. That's and that's fine. Like that's actually a monster in D and D, and that's really cool that they had that reference to it. Um, I actually looked it up the other day and I think they're playing like first edition Dungeons and Dragons, um, but it doesn't quite matter for my bone to pick. Um, so first off, they have this, they have this moment where like they doing the Demogorgon and like they're asking Will to cast Fireball on it or something like that, which like first off that particular monster is like Fireball wouldn't work well against that, at least in modern D&D, because it's supposed to be like a demon. But mm-hmm. that's that's sort of my bone to pick is later on in that season, they call the monster that they're facing the Demogorgon. The Demogorgon is, first off, it's more of a first name. Uh, it's like the name of like a demon prince of hell kind of a deal or the abyss rather. So he's like this all he's like this super powerful thing that can just wreck everybody's day. He like commands legions of demons and he's it's also the way he looks he's like described as like a two-headed ape monster with like snake tails and stuff like that which doesn't look anything like the monster that they see but it's supposed to be this super powerful thing it's like a demon it's like a demon prince but in the context of the show the demogorgon is very much killable and has like obvious weaknesses and stuff like that and then they come up to the other enemy which is the mind flayer so you're yeah, using that's... the name of an all like an all-powerful demon prince for this little lackey that some freaking high schoolers can kill versus yeah, this a, like all powerful yeah. <laughs> So so I don't have much of a problem with them calling the mind flayer the mind flayer but they called this like little monster a demogorgon and I'm just like why are you calling it a demogorgon that makes no sense a demogorgon could like kill a super powerful party like there's got to be a better name for this monster than that um so i just i don't know i feel like people are going to be like oh a demogorgon but then in D D, they're going to be like oh wait that's not what a demogorgon is uh so like i said it's kind of petty <laughs> that's okay this show is called obsessed with me it's not called these are my surface level complaints um true nope oh, it's it's cool because I think I think there's things in everything where if you know it well enough you're like look uh, oh <laughs> that's not quite how I would do this that's a pretty that's a pretty uh that's a pretty common kind of nerd experience um, well I think that's all the questions I have are there any other things you would like to add about the game that we haven't discussed or anything like that. Um, I don't think so. I mean, a lot of basic stuff, like maybe, like, don't buy too many dice. Don't, <laughs> don't pay for things you don't need. But the if dice, you... <laughs> the dice are so pretty. I, I am, I have bought many a dice in my D&D life, and I did not need to buy half of them. Um, I would say invest in like one good set of dice, like make it real pretty, make that your favorite set. And just do that. Like, don't buy like five or six sets of dice. I'm sitting Damn, here as a culprit on buying that. that many dice. 
with every outfit I wear. <laughs> if I need accessories. Oh man. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, sometimes you might need more than one set of dice, but very rarely do you ever need to do that. Also. No, you're right. Practically just yeah. not aesthetically. Also, I'm not a purist as far as like system goes, but there's a lot to be said about having campaigns in person versus there's some people who like to play campaigns online. And like I said, I have nothing against that. I've played online games campaigns before I've DM'd an online campaign and it was super fun and it was great. But my most recent campaign, we're doing it in person, like at my house every Sunday. Um, man, you, you lose something when you go online with campaigns and you don't lose it all, but it's it's tough so i know it's i know it's harder like the barrier to entry Mm -hmm. is harder to get a consistent group of people to like actually come over to one person's house every week i get that in our modern days like that's actually a challenge but man if you can do it do it because you're gonna like dnd a lot more if you do that i can see how that could be way more rewarding and it could really help bolster friendships yeah also last tip and this is something that I had to learn as I was learning to DM. Uh, if you have a DM or if you are a DM or anything like that, you need to be okay with changing your voice and like doing impressions and stuff like that. Uh, I didn't used to do that when I was first DMing, but I'm actually not that bad of like an impressionist and like I'm actually pretty decent at changing my voice around. Man, it really adds something to a campaign when you like actually do some voices for characters uh so yeah i think i think that's also just like a really like basic thing that i would i would just want more people to do that because i know like i, I can haven't done it super fun. <clears throat> well, that could definitely be super fun i can see how that could really you know add to the experience for everyone doing it yeah all right i guess if that's all thank you so much for the tips He's right about the dice, even if it isn't aesthetically correct. <laughs> you, have to, you, sh- you really shouldn't buy 20 dice if you're going to get started, but that doesn't mean you can't. But, like, just put all of that money into getting one set of really, really <laughs> cool dice. And then that's fine. Okay. <laughs> that's good, too. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for coming on here. And... I hope everyone has learned a bunch about Dungeons and Dragons. All right, and thank you for having me. Thanks. Bye. And that is our show for today. Once again, just a huge thank you to Dan Grieber for making this episode with me. I had some audio issues that I figured out over time since this was my first uh, um, interview I had done on this system. He was super patient and super sweet about it. Thank you so much, Dan. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I loved doing this episode. And if you guys have something you want to do with me, let me know. I would love to have an episode of whatever your hobby or interest is. And I just want to talk to things about people about what they love. Because sometimes I'm sure you get sick of my voice and just my voice. So, as always, here are where you can find me. I am at Instagram at Fennecfool, F-E-N-N-E-C-F-O-O-L. I am on Twitter and Facebook, although, let's be frank, I hate Twitter and I never go there, at my actual name, Lindsay Schley, L-Y-N-D-S-E-Y-S-C-H-L-E-Y, and you can find this show at Obsessed With Me um, on Facebook. So, 
I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Go out there and love something. Bye. 